Tonight we're in Luke's Gospel, chapter number 8. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 8. And I want to begin by reading verses 4 through 18 here. The Lord Jesus Christ is speaking. And uh, He's got a, a crowd gathered here. In Luke 8, verse number 4, says, And when much people were gathered together, and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground, and sprang up, and bare fruit, and hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to others in the, in the parables, but to others in parables that, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Then on the rock, they on the rock are they which, uh, when they hear, receive the word with joy. These have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. And here, verse 18 is our text. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, whosoever hath not from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. What are the keys to getting the most out of what a Bible teacher or a Bible preacher says? In our text, Jesus told this parable, a very famous parable of the sower, and he gave his explanation of that parable to his disciples after they asked him for further explanation. And the bottom line is found in verse 8 and verse 18. In verse 8, Jesus, after he had told the parable, cried out, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Do you have an ear to hear? Uh, in other words, are you tuned in? <laughs> are you listening? Uh, is basically what he's saying. And then after explaining to his disciples the meaning of the parable, Jesus said, Take heed therefore how ye hear there in verse 18. Can I tell you, that's a much needed admonition 
especially in the day in which we live in which there's so many different distractions that can take away our attention from what we're here for, to hear God's Word. And it's for that reason I want to share with you some cautions and directions from Scripture to help us properly take heed how we hear teaching and preaching. And that's needed so that we can uh, can and will gain the greatest advantage and profit from the Word of God in our lives. And I trust that that's what you want. That you want to get the most uh, that you can get from the Word of God and that it will have its full effect in your life. Now, here's the truth the Lord would have us to know today. We must listen with a prepared heart that is ready to hear from the Lord. I want to talk about having a talking about preparing to hear. If you're going to have an ear to hear, if you're going to take heed how you hear, you're going to have to make some preparations when you come to hear. In the parable. Uh, Jesus told the success or failure of the seed, and that's the Word of God, and it had to, to do a lot to do with the condition of the soil or the uh, ground, that, that be, meaning the, the heart uh, where it fell. And the context shows that the condition of the soil is speaking of the condition of the heart. This method of planting the seed that we see in this parable is... Uh, uh, a method called the broadcasting method. You broadcast the seed. Uh, my dad had a, 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 a little contraption that would broadcast it for him. He didn't have to throw the seed out by hand. He put it in it, turn the handle, and he'd just throw the seed out. You don't. Uh, he would have the soil prepared ahead of time, and it would broadcast the seed. And and uh, just like the story here, some. Not all of it fell into good ground. Uh, when you were making the turns and all, some of it would fall on a hard pack, or some of it would fall among the, the, the thorns, or some of it would fall among the stones. But uh, uh, that's the picture that we, we see here. Now, note verses 5 and 12. The wayside soil was pretty much uh, a totally unprepared soil or heart. Nothing was wrong with the seed. And none of these instances, nothing was wrong with the seed. It was good seed. The problem was with the soil or with the heart. And that's usually the way that it is. It is always that way. There's nothing wrong with the seed of God's Word. Nothing wrong with it. Now note verses 6 and 13. The rock was um, more rock than soil. And the good seed uh, would spring up because of the soil on the surface, but there was not enough moisture or fertile soil for it to spring up to take root as it should. And again, there's nothing wrong there with the seed. Uh, the problem was with the soil. And then in verses 7 and 14, the good seed fell where the thorns uh, seeds were uh, coming up at and uh, the thorns that grew up uh, grew up with the seed and choked out the the uh, the, the good seed. The, the thorns being the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And again, let me point out, there's nothing wrong with the seed. What's wrong is with the heart and is with the soil. Um, note uh, in the verses 8 and 15, the good seed fell on good ground there and sprang up and was fruitful. And the good ground are those and notice what it says again there in verse number 15. But that on the good ground are they which, notice this, in an honest and good heart. 
having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. I mean, that's the goal, isn't it? That's the goal. Um, now, growing up on a small farm in southeast Georgia, I learned from my dad that before the good seed could be properly planted, it was of utmost necessity that we had to first prepare the soil. You had to prepare the soil. And once we had properly planted the good seed in the properly prepared soil, we had to be diligent in our cultivation to keep the plants from being choked out by the weeds. Now, our method of planting most of the time was we would plant in rows. It's not the same kind of planting that we see here. But we did plant some things by the broadcast method. It usually was the fodder that we would have for our cows or for the livestock that we had. And it, that didn't have to come up in a row. You just, you know, it was just like a, a rye grass coming up. And so you could just uh, plow the soil up and go out there with that little contraption, throw the seed out there, and uh, you would have a good crop of that grain that would come up uh, for, uh, for your efforts. But we always had to prepare the soil no matter which way that we planted. And the, the first thing that we had to do to get that good crop was to prepare the soil. Jeremiah 4 verse 3 says, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground and sow not among the thorns. Fallow ground is what he talked about there. And then Hosea 10 verse 12 also talks about fallow ground. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. And again, those two references there uh, are pointing to uh, the, the ground as being a fallow ground, as being a condition of a heart and it needed to be broken up. Uh, in order for uh, it to bring forth fruit. Fallow ground is ground that's been left unplowed or untilled for a period of time. So tonight, how can we make sure that our heart is prepared to hear the Word of God? That's the message. Now, the first thing that we see, and you'll, you'll find this on your handout there, is that hearing properly takes having a rested mind. Now, I know this is not always possible. But if you want to hear the best, and when it's possible and in our power, we need to have a rested mind. What I'm talking about is, you know, if one stays up late the night before a Sunday morning church, it's most likely going to hurt their ability to be alert in the service and really hear the way they should hear. Uh, it, it's just the way things are. A lot of folks think, well, that doesn't happen with me, but uh, you don't see things from the position where I stand. I can, uh, I can tell when folks are weary and um, sometimes that's because of different things that come along in their life. But I'm saying hearing properly takes having a rested mind when, when it's possible and in our power. A rested mind can hear better, can understand better, and respond better to God's Word. Amen? I mean, it just, just stands, stands to, uh, to reason that that's the way. It is, and, and I realize that, the, that some come to the Wednesday night Bible study and prayer time uh, after leaving work and having worked all day long, and you're tired, um, and that's one reason why we try to keep it a, uh, to a short, uh, uh, shorter, reasonable length of the Bible study where we, uh, we are cognizant of the fact that 
Uh, folks are, are tired from a day's work. But understand that the main thing in our midweek service is our prayer time. I've always stressed that. And um, both sharing prayer needs and, and praises and hearing others' prayer needs and praises and then praying for those needs, that's the main thing that we come for when we come together in the midweek service. And, that, and getting the prayer list on Sunday is great. Uh, and I hope that you do get it if you're not able to hear, be here on Wednesday. But it, it really is a poor substitute for being here on Wednesday because you, you miss out on hearing the needs talked about. You know, I mean, you just see the needs on there. You don't get the background behind some of the story that's there. You don't get the missionary letters with the praises. And we're not able to put all the praises on the... We're short for space on there. We do good to get all the prayer requests that the missionaries have on there. And so you miss out on uh, the, the, the uh, what's going on on the mission field. It's best for us to be here. Uh, and when we're here, I know uh, it's tough to come with a rested mind, but uh, we, I, like I said, we try to help you with that. But on Sundays, you know, we can kind of control uh, Saturday night a lot of times, uh, except when you're on a call like uh, uh, Brother Sam. He looked pretty rough tonight, I mean, uh, after having been on call all weekend long. And uh, we understand that. But it's a lot easier to hear when you're rested in it. Um, second thing we see here is hearing properly takes having proper attitudes. Having proper attitudes. We must watch our attitude toward the Lord's house. Psalm 122, verse number 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Now, I'm going to ask a question. I want you to be honest answering yourself. I'm not looking for an answer, okay? Be honest answering yourself. When it comes to attending the Lord's house, is, is your attitude, I got to go, or is your attitude, I get to go? You know? There's a difference. You know, when, when it comes just to duty, well, you know, it's, it's Sunday. I got to go to church. That's, you're going to have a different attitude when you come than if you come uh, excited about what the Lord's going to do, and excited about worshiping the Lord. Listen to me. If, if we find that we don't have a proper desire to be here like we should, then we need to ask the Lord to fix our desire and make it right. So we must watch our attitude toward the Lord's house. Uh, second of all, we must watch our attitude toward the Lord Himself. How strong is our desire to get close to the Lord? I hope that you want to draw as close to the Lord as you possibly can. And uh, even when you come to the service, uh, uh, pull close to Him. Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2 says, As the heart panteth after the brooks, water brooks, so panteth my soul after Thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When, when shall I come and appear before God? Psalm 84, verse 2 says, my, my soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. You know, we're going to get out of uh, the message uh, from the Lord uh, really only in, in accordance to what our attitude is. If we come uh, hungering and thirsting for righteousness' sake, we're going to get more than if we don't. 
Um, so we must watch our attitude toward the Lord Himself. We must watch our attitude toward our service for the Lord. There's so much that we could talk about here, but I just want to consider two things. Uh, first of all, our giving to the Lord. And by the way, when I'm talking about giving, I'm talking about more than our money. You know, uh, We're to give of ourselves first, and we'll see that in one of the passages we'll look at in just a minute. But I want you to turn, first of all, to Genesis chapter number 4. And um, the Lord brought this to my mind as, uh, as I was looking for ways to illustrate our giving to the Lord. Um, I know it seems a little unusual, but uh, by, again, by giving, we're talking about more than our money. And here we have the example of Cain and Abel in Genesis 4. And we see that Abel gave uh, to the Lord what pleased the Lord, and Cain gave the Lord what pleased himself. Okay, <laughs> look at uh, verse number one. And Adam knew his wife uh, Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, "I have gotten a man from the Lord." And she again bare his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And let me just say, when he brought that, he brought what pleased him. Uh, verse number four says, And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. When, when Abel brought his offering, he was trying to bring that that pleased the Lord. And no, no doubt the uh, they had been taught about the blood sacrifice there. And uh, the, the Lord uh, uh, said there, look, look at verse number 5, but, but Cain, Cain and his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth. Bad attitude, right? And his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And, and unto thee shall be, be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Well, we know that didn't turn out too well, did it? Uh, uh, that, uh, that bad attitude turned into a hatred for his brother. And he wound up taking his brother's life there. Uh, but it, had he gave to the Lord that which pleased the Lord, uh, his is that, I believe things would have turned out differently. Look at Second uh, Corinthians chapter number eight. Second Corinthians chapter number eight. Second Corinthians eight, verses number one through five. Here we see the example of the churches of Macedonia and how they gave. You know, our giving to the Lord is important. Whether we're talking about giving of our money or the giving of ourselves or the giving of our time. Uh, there in verse number 1, uh, Moreover, brethren, we do you wit to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. In other words, he's, he's saying, we, we're making you aware of this. <laughs> I want you to know about the grace of God that was bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that 
we would receive the gift and take upon us a fellowship of the ministering of the, to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. What a wonderful example of, of having a great attitude in giving. They didn't have a whole lot. They were poor folks. Uh, but they wanted to be a blessing to Paul and Paul's ministry, and they were able to give. And, but they, and how they were able to give was they gave of themselves first. Um, you're there in 2 Corinthians uh, 8. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 6 and 7. And the Apostle Paul says this, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, but he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Attitude. Cheerful is an attitude, isn't it? And when we come and uh, do uh, with our giving to the Lord, whether we're talking about giving of our uh, time, talent, treasure, doesn't matter. Uh, we need to have a proper attitude. What about our service for the Lord? Look uh, at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. 1 Thessalonians and chapter, excuse me, chapter number 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. And notice verse number 2. Paul's talking about the, the service of this church. And uh, they were, uh, they were a, a great serving church. Notice verse 2. He says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing, notice this, your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us. That word followers there means imitators. They imitated the Apostle Paul and of the Lord. Uh, they wanted to be like Jesus, in other words. Having received the word in much affliction, with joy the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. He says, For out from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your, your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So they had a great attitude in, in their service. So when it came to their work of faith and their labor of love, they, were, they wanted to, to be all they could be for the Lord. They wanted to uh, imitate the Apostle Paul and to imitate Christ. So uh, we must watch our attitude toward our, uh, our service for the Lord. And uh, we see we must watch our attitude toward others. Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. And this is the, the last place I'll have you turn. Ephesians 4. And uh, verse number uh, 29 here. Look at verse 29. 
Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. And that's what we're supposed to do anyway, isn't it? Edify one another. I mean, we come together. You got you got spiritual gifts. I got spiritual gifts, and together, you know, I'm supposed to be building up, edifying the body of Christ, and you're to be doing the same thing. And and that is what he's talking about. He says our words here. We must make sure that they're good to use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now see, all these things that he just listed there, all of those things come from a bad attitude. They just really do. Uh, there uh, are a bad attitude that is manifested on the outside. And he says, verse 32, Be ye kind one to another tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Listen, um, we must watch our attitude toward uh, others, especially as we come together as God's church. We must watch our attitude because of how it can affect the church. Um, Now, when we come to church, we need to come on purpose with God's purpose. You know, Come on purpose with God's purpose in our life. And, and understand that if for some reason we, we don't have a proper attitude, then we uh, need to adjust our attitude before we come. Somebody says, well, if I don't know how to have the right attitude, I'll just stay home. And that's not what God wants you to do. He wants you to get the right attitude and come. Uh, because, listen, if our attitude is not right, it can and will affect how we hear. It just does. If you come into church with a bad attitude, you you got your mind on the whatever the your attitude is about, rather than on God speaking to your heart and speaking to your life. Uh, and uh, if our attitude's not right, it can affect others. You ever see somebody come in with a bad attitude to church, and uh, it kind of rubbed off on you a little bit? Uh, you kind of wonder if maybe they had a problem with you. <laughs> um, Others around us can be affected by us when our spirit is not right. And uh, let me just tell you, I've seen this more times uh, than I care to number. Uh, In every church that I've been in, uh, the teacher or preacher can be affected by by attitude because uh, uh, as they look out and see the countenance, what it's supposed to be, it just affects what's coming out of the pulpit. It can't help but do that. And so... We need to make sure that our attitude is right because it can affect others. Most of all, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. We just read that in Ephesians 4.30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. And He's grieved when we show up with a wrong heart attitude. And please know that the answer is not just stay at home. The answer is to adjust the attitude and come. Because we know that the Lord wants us to come be in church. And Hebrews 10.25 proves that out. not not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The Lord wants us to come together and He wants us to edify one another and exhort one another. And the Lord not only wants us to come, but He wants us to come with a godly, right heart attitude. So let the Lord adjust your attitude before you come. So hearing properly takes having rested mind. Hearing properly takes having proper attitudes. And number three thing here, hearing properly takes having proper heart 
preparation. Now this is so important. Heart preparation begins with prayer. I'll say more about prayer, Lord willing, next week. This is a two-part message. But here I'm talking about asking God to prepare our heart to hear. Before you come to church, Lord, the preacher's going to be bringing a message today. Help me to hear the way I need to hear. Give me not only ears to hear, but Lord, give me a heart to receive what you have given our pastor to preach. Now, you think the Lord would answer a prayer like that? He will. Listen to, listen to these uh, verses. Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8. Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth. He that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. 1 John five fourteen. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Now, let me ask you this. When you come to church, is it God's will for you to get all you can get out of the service? It is. So you're asking according to His will. This is not something that you're asking outside of His will. John 14, verse 13 and 14 says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, Jesus said, that, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Uh, Jesus wants the Father to be glorified in Him. How is Jesus glorified? in our lives that way. When He shows up in our life, when He's, when, when he's inside of us and He's beaming out and others can see Jesus in us. And when we ask the Lord to give us a, 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 a proper understanding, a, a heart to hear, so that the Lord may be glorified, He's going to listen to that. Psalm 145, verse 18 and 19, The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon Him. To all that call upon Him in truth, He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. And if you've got a desire to, to get all you can out of the message, and you pray and ask the Lord to help you to do that, He certainly will answer that prayer. So heart preparation begins with prayer. Heart preparation also takes being tuned in to the service. Uh, by this I mean participating in worship. Prayers being, you know, whatever's going on at church. Different things happen when we come together. Sometimes prayers are being offered. Amen. You notice most of the time whenever I I, I, uh, pray, I'll say, join your heart together with me in prayer and let's pray together and ask the Lord to, to do these things that we're praying that's because you need to participate. We need to be tuned in. That's part of our part of our worship when we pray. So songs being sung. You say, well, I can't sing very well. Make a joyful noise. L- at least look at the words and mouth the words. <laughs> uh, that somebody looking at you, maybe there's a lost person in the service when they're looking over there and you're not singing, at least they'll have the idea if you're mouthing the words, that they don't, they're not going to know whether you're singing or not. You know? Um, Songs, prayers being offered, songs being sung, testifying for the Lord, the message going forth. Our heart ought to be tuned in to what's happening in the service. Number four thing, hearing properly takes having proper physical preparation. Don't come hungry. <laughs> uh, your mind won't be on the service. It, it just won't, you know. 
Uh, also, try to take care of things before the teaching or preaching starts as best you can um, so that you're not unnecessarily distracting others. Uh, you know, it's best to, I know things happen. You know, this morning, I appreciate your cooperation. It was so needed this morning with that message because that's one that Satan really likes to interrupt. When you preach on hell, you preach on the lake of fire, uh, he, he likes to get folks distracted. And, um, and that's really, he wants you to get, get us distracted from everything that the Lord wants for us. And we need to keep, in mind, keep that in mind and try to try as best we can not to unnecessarily be a, a distraction. I know there are times when we have to get up, um, uh, and the Lord knows that. But hearing properly takes having proper physical preparation. Some things can be taken care of before the service starts, and we need to try to do as best we can. And then last fall tonight, hearing properly takes listening on purpose. Listening on purpose with the intent of hearing, understanding, and obeying God's will. We've kind of been talking about that lately, haven't we? Talking about God's will. I, we're, don't come to hear out of curiosity. You know, um, Don't come out of just out of sense of duty. But hearing out of a sincere desire to know and do God's will. God, let me lead me in your path. Lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And that Ephesians 5.17 applies. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So, to enter the Lord's house merely to have our ears tickled or to be entertained and not to have our hearts reformed, you know, that's got to surely grieve the heart of God. Um, because what He wants, is He wants to bring forth change in our lives. He has changed us. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. That change was, has taken place. But now, what, what's the process now? To become more into the image of Christ. We're to become, become more like Christ. How does that take place? Well, it takes the Word of God. That's why we come, teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Uh, so, uh, if, if only those of us who are here right now would seriously apply our hearts to practice these principles, think of what it could mean and would mean to us personally. You ought to do it just for you. You, know? you ought to do it for you. But you also ought to do it for your church. And you ought to do it to those who you influence. You know, the, the more that God gets a hold of your heart, the easier it is for God to use you to get a hold of the heart of those that you love and that you're trying to, to be a, a, a testimony to. So let's take, take heed how we hear. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you tonight for...